four days left. Are you ready? I hear some yeses out there. That's good. It is, uh, you know, as, as I say every year, at least from my perspective, and many of you share that, I mean, it seems like we just pulled this stuff out. You know, we've got four of our candles lit, and we're, we're getting close to that, um, whatever Christmas will be for you. And uh, we continue to spend these weeks, I, I hope, being challenged a little bit, unpacking a little bit what the heart of, of this celebration is for us, what our recipe for a, um, a joyous Christmas looks like, not based on um, kitchen ingredients, but on the, the truth that God speaks into our heart and the opportunities that God invites us into as we um, celebrate the birth of Christ as we celebrate the gift of Jesus, which is not an annual celebration, but it's what we celebrate every, every week we come together. Every Sunday, that's the heart of what we do here and why we gather. But we remember it in a special way this time of year, and it, it encompasses so much of, of our activities and our focus. So let's take some time to, to maybe dial back into what it is Christ calls us and invites us into. And today, uh, that recipe calls for a cup of joy, you know, to, to invite the joy of Christ and what that means for us. And so to, to explore that, we're going to turn to one of Paul's letters, um, Philippians uh, chapter 4. Now on here, I, I, I did 2 through 7. I'm going to back up actually and start with, um, with verse 1 and do, uh, do 1 through 7. These are some verses we've looked at recently, and we're, we're going to look at them in a little bit of a different way. But this is what um, Paul writes. He says, Therefore, in verse 1, My brothers and sisters, you whom I long for, my joy and crown. I want you to just hear that word again. My joy and crown. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia, I plead with uh, Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, Help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, guard our hearts and our minds, that we would open them to the things of you and, and close them off to the things that would distract and divert our attention in ways that do not honor you. But speak to us here. And we pray that your voice as it speaks, that we'd be open to it, to hear and to respond in obedience. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. I was um, down the hall yesterday. We were um, getting ready. I was with the, the volunteers and, and the teams that are here on um, two Saturdays out of the month, it was, it was the food distribution, it was the commodities day, and so uh, I had come up with the kids, and, and we were part of kind of the, the, the team yesterday to help out, 
And um, on a side note, 67 families came through yesterday. It was um, remarkable as this ministry can, and the need. You know, the, on the side note, that's one of those ministries. It's, it's always kind of tricky to think about. You're worried about me, aren't you? Yeah. This. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little bit, it's like a, I got to move stuff out of my way. Uh, it, it's one of those ministries that I'm, it's always kind of a struggle to think through how to pray for it. Because you don't want it to grow in the sense that you don't want more families to be in need. But we're incredibly thankful that we can, and, and that you make possible, and you see the thank you letter that's in your bulletins this morning um, from, from the team just thanking you for your support. So we're glad that we're able to meet those needs. But anyway, before the distribution began, um, Mary Beth Hancock and I, we were talking down the hall, just, you know, kind of random conversation. And um, she was sharing with me that there's a number of you that she had gotten to know before you were part of the church. Because, let's see, where's Mary Beth? Where is she back here? Right here. Because Mary Beth, is, as many of you may know or may not know, worked for many years at Bank of America. So she was at the bank, and some of you were clients at Bank of America. And she got to know you um, before she got to know you here. And, um, and, and I was just thinking of that conversation and it just dawned on me that if, if Mary Beth worked at my bank, I'd have absolutely no idea. Because I never go in the bank. I can't tell you the last time I walked into my bank. Everything that I do now, I do either online or I drive up to the ATM. I never actually, well, I shouldn't say never, but I cannot remember the last time a trip to the bank led to any sort of human interaction for me. And in fact, some banks now charge you for the human interaction. You know, they had fees if you talk to somebody. Um, and uh, that's a whole different point. But, um, but I, I just started to think about how much that is true in other aspects of, of my life for those casual encounters. The other night, Tony and the kids were coming home from school, and um, I called her up, and I said, you know, I know you don't want to come home and cook, and I haven't done anything, so why don't we just stop and bring something home? And she never is going to argue with that idea. Um, and so we ordered pizza from Pizza Hut. I didn't have to call them. I got on the computer, put in my order, and then not only did I do my order online, but then it started a countdown clock, and it would tell me exactly when the food was done so that we could get in and get out so quick we didn't have to talk to anybody in the restaurant. I mean, that's just the way. I, Publix, we do subs all the time from Publix. You can do that too. I mean, it's just so many ways that in the, in the, the name of efficiency um, that we have lost human interaction, that, that we've kind of been removed from that opportunity. Now, I'm not criticizing those things. I will continue to do my online banking, and I'm going to continue to do the things the way I do. It's, it's not necessarily that that's so wrong, but, but we lose something that is innate in who God has created us to be, and that is we're created um, for relationships. And that doesn't always mean extended relationships. We think about our family and our best, you know, our closest friends and those kind of relationships, and that's essentially important. But I think there's value in brief human, uh, human interaction and connecting for moments with people and having shared moments that may be fleeting but still can be incredibly impactful, can be incredibly important. Um, 
And for some of us, that becomes a struggle. That becomes harder and harder as we disconnect more and more from each other. And, and, and you know, if you're like me, you have to be really intentional about that. In fact, there was a little quiz somebody um, posted the other day that talked about how well you are at your brief, how intentional you are in your human interaction. And it was these kind of questions. And, and I kind of posed this to you to put in the back of your mind and think about um, now and again. For instance, next time you walk out of the supermarket, you've checked out, and you're going out the doors, ask yourself this. What was the name of the person who rang your order? They have it right there. Ask yourself, did you even notice their name? Or the next time you, you know, go into a restaurant and you're leaving, what was the name of your server? Um, the, the doctor's office that you go to regularly and, and that person that if you have the same person sitting at the reception desk every time you go in, What's his or her name? Now, I don't do well at these tests, so please don't, don't hear me challenging you. I'm challenged in that, but we lose those gifts. Now, why would that have anything to do with this focus on joy this morning? What, what does that have to do with Christmas at all? Well, the joy of Christ that, that Christ opens us up to, up to is experienced in relationships, Paul talked about, remember I froze you on those words today, you are my joy and my crown. Now, Philippians 4 is written from prison. Paul's in jail. Paul, who was this evangelist that traveled, to our, to our best of our knowledge, didn't spend a lot of time in any one place. And he would develop relationships, and he would plant churches, and he may not be back for years, yet he considered his relationships with others to be his joy. It was the source of this blessing that God had given. Others provided the opportunity for him to experience the joy of Christ and his relationship with God. As he goes on later to talk about rejoice in the Lord, always rejoice, the Lord is near. That's not just um, referencing uh, an event yet to come. That's saying that the Lord, you know, the kingdom of God has come. And so he's talking about the joy that he experiences in his faith as it gets lived out in the, the multi- a dimensional realities of our relationships. We're, we're created. We have three ways relationships get lived out in each of our lives. Our relationships are lived out in the outward reality. That's the way that we connect with other people. Our relationships are lived out in the inward, and that is who we are when nobody's looking. That is how you feel about who God has created you to be and, and your own experience of, of your own value and, and sense of worth. The outward relationships, the inward relationship, and the upward relationship. How we connect with God, how we open our hearts to the presence of His Holy Spirit. So th there's, there's the dimensions of relationships, but all are important and all are part of the joy of our faith. The joy of experiencing the power of Christ at work in us. The joy of Christmas. And so, how do we open ourselves to experiencing the joy of relationships? You know, I, was, I was thinking about just the reality of Christmas. Uh, this is a very strange year for me. And those of you that have been a part of the church for the years will know this is a very strange reality. Because every year I talk about my people. And this is normally my people. How many of you are not done Christmas shopping? Raise your hand. Okay. You are usually my people. 
because that's usually my reality. Now, how many of you, this is what's so rare this year, how many of you are all done Christmas shopping? This year, you are my people. I've changed teams. I don't know how that happened, but I'm done. I'm all done. That never, I even wrapped my presents already. Yeah, about that, uh-huh. So, yeah, that's right. I didn't say wrapped them well, but they're wrapped. Um, now, I was thinking about that because the one thing that that has allowed me to do, which is a rare thing, is I've actually started to kind of look forward to Christmas morning um, beforehand because I'm, I'm done. I don't have the pressure. I've got the, the only pressure I have is to get ready for Christmas Eve. Um, but, but I'm done. But I started to think about this, and, and this is, we know this, this isn't some profound realization, but the, the gifts that I've wrapped, the gifts that I've purchased for Tony, for the kids, for, for family, they're really secondary. What I look forward to is them receiving them. I look forward to Ryan get excited when he sees whatever it is, or Cassidy get excited when she sees, or Tony. It's, it's the relationship. It's not the gift. The gift is just an outward way to honor the relationship and the love that I feel for these people that God has blessed into my life. That's, that's the value. That's the joy. It's, it, you take the relationships out of it, and the, the presents are meaningless. Uh, the, the experiences, the joy of, of the get-togethers and being here together in worship, it's about the relationships. How do we open ourselves up to, to deeper experience of that joy? To, like Paul says, to have more opportunities to experience the power of the joy and the crown of our lives. And there's a couple challenges, and, and these are not original with me. I, I read these recently, but they spoke to me. Some things we have to be very, very aware of in our lives that rob us of that joy. And the first is this. Hurry. Hurry robs us of the joy of relationships. Hurry, the, the frantic busyness that, that encompasses so many of our lives at this time of year. Now, it's not wrong to be busy. It's not sinful to have a lot um, necessarily to accomplish. But this is where hurry becomes so devastating to us. Because when we're hurried, we ignore people. When we're hurried, we ignore others. We don't do it maliciously necessarily. We don't do it with a, an intention to be, to be hurtful. But we become so focused on the things that we think that have to get done, the, the, the tasks to be accomplished, that um, we move past the opportunities to connect with people. And, and I will tell you, this is one of my biggest challenges in life, let alone in ministry. And in fact, because God has such a sense of humor, this morning became case in point for me. One of the, and I think I've shared this before, but one of the, the areas of, of ministry that has um, been very challenging for me has been Sunday morning. Not this part, but the 10, 15, 20 minutes before worship begins. Because that's when hurry kicks in the high gear for me. And I have had more people get upset with me over the years in ministry because as I'm scurrying around, I walk past people. I don't mean to. And some of you are sitting here right now. I guarantee you, some of you right now are going, yep, he's done that to me. <laughs> and I have, not, not, not intentionally, not because I, I wanted to be, to be um, uh, hurtful, but because it does. And, and there's so much going on, and I get hurried and I get task-oriented. And in doing so, I miss 
the opportunities to connect. And I have had to really intentionally work on that. There's a reason I try to take time before worship and walk around and, and shake hands because it's a way I try to stop the hurried feeling. But I always do so well. So now here's where God has a wonderful sense of humor because I'm aware of this. Anytime I'm preaching about something, I know I'm weak, and then I think i got to be good that Sunday at it because I can't, not, I can't do it to people this day or else I'm really going to look bad. So before worship begins... I was like, oh, I better check the oil in our candles because it might be low. Now, before the season began, I put right here a big thing of oil so that we could fill up the candles. You can't see what I'm looking at, but let me explain it to you. Nothing. (laughs) It's not there. I don't know even now where it is. We're pray- How many are you familiar with, with Hanukkah, the, the Festival of Lights, the oil? We're praying for that right now. <laughs> I don't know where. So, so here's the thing. Those of you that saw me this morning, I'm scurrying around looking for the oil. There's a, bi- there's, there's a sermon illustration there somewhere. Um, I still don't know where it is. And, and here it is. I'm trying really hard. You know where it is. <laughs> It's in the pantry. I looked in the pantry twice. Uh, okay, God bless you. You're my new hero. All right. Okay. All right, we have, okay, you know what? Let's close in prayer. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. So, so, I'm, so I'm running around hurried. I'm running around hurried, and I'm trying really hard to not walk past people because the, the, the moments that we share, one of the things that, that has become a blessing to me is the moments that we share before worship as I'm walking around talking to you. And they may be really fleeting. I mean, they be, but just the handshakes and the conversation, the, the, the moments that God gives us, hurried, for, we, we miss the moments. We miss the moments. We walk past people. We get on the elevator and we grab our, we, me, grab our phone and pretend because we don't know what somebody's thinking or we're kind of not sure what to say. So we act distracted and we miss people and we miss opportunities to talk to the server at the restaurant or the person checking us out at the, at the store because we're always thinking about the next thing. We're focused, i got to get to the next thing. And we look past the moment and we miss the moment. And I'm convinced I and many of us miss so many opportunities to experience the joy of Christ in others because we just don't see it. We become hurried. So part of our challenge to experience the joy in the crown, the joy of Christmas, is to not be less busy. That'll get to that in point three here. But sometimes to be less hurried, to be less hurried and see the people that are in front of us and the moments that God gives us. So the first is hurry. The second is this. I'm sure almost all of us can identify with this. I think it's the biggest of the three, is that we're worried. We're consumed with the, the what-ifs, the fears, the anxieties, the stress, the tension that keep us up at night, that, that distract us, that keep us focused on inward. See, what happens with worry is it turns us inside. Because worry is all about what we're afraid is going to happen. In, and it may be worry for somebody else, but, but, but our worry becomes of our own fear of loss or, or um, pain or difficulties. And it turns us in. And the danger with turning us in is we turn away from God. That's why Jesus so often talked about do not worry. 
cast your cares upon. I mean, there, there's so many scriptures that speak to that because it becomes very consuming. And, and, it just, and in worry, we forget who's with us in the journey, who walks with us. In fact, I, I read a story a pastor wrote on a blog um, just this past week, and, and he talked about being on a flight, a cross-country flight, and um, as, they were, as they were in the air, the, the captain came over the last week and said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sur- I apologize, but we have to suspend drink services now. We're expecting to hit some turbulence. And if you fly and if you're a nervous flyer, those are words you don't want to hear. So everybody, you know, buckled in. And then it got a little bumpy, and then the captain came on and just kind of said, I'm, I'm sorry, we've got to, we're not going to be able to do the, the meal service either, or the food service, because of the same, we're expecting to hit some turbulence. And sure enough, a little bit later, I mean, it started the, they went through a storm, and it was, you know, you could see the flashes of the lightning outside, and the plane got incredibly, it got incredibly turbulent. And if you've ever, I know a lot of you have felt that, you know, in plane turbulence, like the bottom falls out for, for a few moments. It's terrifying if you're, uh, if you're not comfortable in a plane, and, and it just got really bad. And people, the pastor said you could just look around, and people were completely panicked. They were scared. They, they, were, they were fearful. You could see the anxiety, the stress. You know, people were praying or, or doing whatever they did to relieve that. And he said what, what struck him is he, is he saw this little girl, 10, 11, 12 years old. She was sitting a few rows away, and she was as relaxed as she could be, not at all worried. She was reading her book. Every once in a while, she'd just close her eyes for a moment. And she'd go back to read, and she'd stretch her legs out just a, a sea of tranquility in the midst of, a, of or an island of tran- tranquility in, in the midst of a sea of stress. And he was just taken by that. When the plane safely landed, he held back because he wanted to talk to her. And as they were getting off the plane, he just stopped and he said, you know, young lady, he's like, how is it that, that you were so calm? How is it you were so, so calm when everybody else was so scared? And she said, oh, that's easy. The pilot's my dad and he's taken me. <laughs> Okay, but hear this, hear this, hear this. The pilot's my dad, and he's taken me home. Okay, the pilot, now, now why was it? Why was it she wasn't? Because she knew who was in control. She trusted the person at the, at the, in the cockpit, if you will. Now, what does worry do to us? It, it, it distracts us from remembering who's in control. Who's taking us home? Now, now hear me say, and those of you know this, I'm, I'm not saying that faith protects us. You're still going to experience turbulence and, and difficulties and those things. We, we all go through that. But, but worry distracts us from trusting in the presence of the one who's ultimately in control, who's going to bring us home. In fact, I, I heard somebody say, and this really kicked me in the gut really hard, um, that worry is atheism in action. Oh, yeah, I didn't like it either. Um, worry, but, but because it, it takes us away from putting our trust in the presence of God and in His presence with us. And so that begins to steal us of the joy. And, and I wish I had an easy solution to tell you how not to worry, ever. Um, but I do know that in those moments that, that what helps me is to take the focus off the challenge, the difficulty, the problem, and put the focus on God, who I know is with me in the midst of it. And so worry begins to steal us of our joy. So we have to be mindful of that. The last one, really briefly, is slurry. I've never even heard this word. You know what slurry is? It's like a thick, almost like a muddy liquid. It's a liquid that a lot of times has 
um, material that's kind of been pulverized in it. So it becomes very thick and sometimes can be gooey and, and muddy, but it, it doesn't flow very easily. It's got too much junk in it. And, and I think that's a lot of time what happens is we've just got too much junk. We need a colander. We need something to filter our lives a little better. Too, too many of us get so spread out, so spread so thin, and it kind of comes back to the hurry of our lives, which sometimes speak to the busy. It's not bad to be busy. It's not wrong to be busy. But sometimes we are busy with the wrong stuff. We're, we're focused in the wrong areas, and we need to thin it out a little bit. And that's a hard thing to do. It absolutely is a hard thing to do, but to be able to, to, to focus on what's truly important and sometimes be okay to let other things go because we get slogged down, we get bogged down, we don't flow very well. And so slurry begins to distract us from the things that God has placed in our lives and called us to that really, really matter. So these areas in our lives begin to steal us of our joy. Hurry, worry, and slurry. You can at least remember that. <laughs> Hurry, worry, and slurry. And it, it, it steals us of the joy of the relationships and the moments that God gives us that, are, that, that connect with others, what, what Christ speaks into our lives. A uh, pastor by the name of Anthony Evans was recounting 2003 being in New York City during a blackout. And uh, it was in Manhattan, and he said everything, hotels, uh, nothing had power. I mean, it was just pitch black, nothing was going on except there was one restaurant he stumbled upon that people were lined up because they were getting hot food and the lights were on and there was music playing and he was baffled how everything could be dark with this one restaurant and so he got hold of an assistant manager and he said how is that and he said oh it's easy so when this place was built this was built on gas generators so what happens out there doesn't affect what happens in here because we have a different source of power and so when it's all dark there, the light is on here. And, and he said it reminds us that what Christ invites us to is to experience his power from within that isn't dependent upon the out there, but that comes to, to change us in here. And it changes our relationships. It changes our upward relationship with God. It shapes us differently. It changes the inward relationship of who we understand ourselves to be and that it empowers the outward relationship as we connect with others and we live into the love of Christ as we experience the blessings of what we were created for, which is relationships, to connect in various ways, whether they be the long, deep, sustainable relationships of family and friends, whether they be the moments that God gives us to, to be blessed and be a blessing in the lives of others. What we need to do is focus on those things. Be open to those things to truly experience what Christ comes to give, which is the joy of Christmas. Friends, let us pray. Gracious Lord, thank you uh, that you challenge us, that you speak into us, that you bless us in our upward relationships to transform us in our inward relationships so that we can experience your love in our outward relationships. It's hard, it's a challenge. But we don't face those challenges alone. We face it by the power of Jesus Christ at work within us. Help us to be open to that power. We pray in your precious and holy name.